Hi, this is Dr. Len Calabrese. I'm a professor of medicine at the Cleveland Clinic Learner College of Medicine um, and uh, a member of CSF. So this is our Perspectives in Inflammation, a podcast series uh, brought to you by CSF, uh, which shines a spotlight onto experts in the field of inflammation, talking about their research, their background, their interest. Um, uh, we never know exactly which way this is uh, going to go. But I am uh, extremely uh, pleased today to be with my good friend, uh, Dr. Grace Wright, um, who uh, is a rheumatologist of, of uh, note, uh, of course, uh, who has an extraordinary uh, clinical uh, background and practice and has founded an extraordinary organization, AWARE, that we'll get to. So we have a lot to talk about, Grace, and uh, welcome to the program. Thank you. Happy to be here. Okay. So, Grace, I, you know, why don't we just kind of start out, and uh, uh, I always say this to people that I'm interviewing uh, for, for positions, give me, give me your memoir. Tell, tell, tell us uh, the things that we just can't get from your CV, uh, and then we'll get into the regular stuff. Sure. So the, the first thing that many folks don't know about me is I'm Jamaican. So a lot of my passion comes from my, my cultural heritage. And then I started life as a classical pianist. So a lot of the orchestration and pulling things together comes from my love of music. And then sort of that sort of nit gritty detail was because I wanted to become an organometallic chemist. And that was my major in college. So how I landed in rheumatology is a family circus journey of, of connecting pieces, but it really was about trying to understand um, the thing that was very difficult to understand and then creating these safe spaces where we could have conversations that we could understand that and craft the path forward. So for me, this is the, the symphonic orchestra, right? It's sort of pulling all of these pieces together. Um, and I left all of that out of the CV, by the way. So you're the first oh, up. That, that is truly a memoir. Most people say, well, what's a memoir? You know, it's not the 800 page book. It's just the, the two page thing. So uh, classical music, organic uh, metallochemistry, whatever that was. Right. And uh, now rheumatology. So then your, your academic trajectory uh, from there. So I really wanted to understand not just sort of the basic science and all of that, which we, we all, all started with, but sort of how do you use the patient narrative as data? How do you extract information from a conversation? So a lot of what I did, even starting in training, and then, you know, sort of pull through to not just looking at, you know, CDIs and, and all of that sort of stuff, but, but how do I understand the patient experience and look at changes in outcomes based on that experience? Is there a difference across um, a man versus a woman as defined at birth? Are there differences in categories that are influenced by culture? And so really sort of driving across the spectrum, whether you're talking about SPA or RA or OA, what are the things that drive outcomes and what are the things that drive differences from my perspective and from you, the patient's perspective? Uh, tell us a little bit about your training. 
So I um, did an MD-PhD at NYU uh, School of Medicine. I went from the Upper West Side at uh, Columbia down to the Midtown East Side and really focused um, from the very beginning on signal transduct uh, transduction, um, looking at calcium and it was first an idea that calcium is part of the signaling pathway. And then to map kinase, and that was sort of the big thing, having shifted through TNFs um, and really sort of, you know, nit gritty in that sort of bench research, and then moving into the patient metrics, more of the clinical research and looking at outcomes in response to therapies. So really sort of moving along that spectrum. Who are your, who are your biggest influences there? It's such a storied uh, program. Well, so I trained uh, uh, Dr. Jerry Weissman, who many of us know well, uh, was, um, you know, was in charge at the time that I was there. And so I was in a lab right next door, really lots of, lots of interactions there that formulated my world in rheumatology. But prior to that, Peter Elsbach was my PhD mentor. Uh, and Peter was the one who really sort of instilled in me this idea of creative energy, not just knowledge, but being creative in how you utilized and formulated that knowledge so that it's not the person who just sort of interprets the data, it's a person who can create the design to create the data and, and always striving to be that person. And that translates whether it's looking at phospholipase A2 and doing various you know, uh, mutate, uh, mutations of that or extractions and looking at snake uh, phospholipase venom uh, extracts, all the way to looking at patients just a different substrate, but how do you create, how do you design so that you can get information that's useful? So uh, on both on both ends, you know, I think there is lots of influence in, in how I think and ultimately sort of who I've become. That's, uh, that's terrific. And those, uh, those, those installation of creativity has clearly shown for you. So you, um, you have an interesting practice and very cutting edge and you've been at the forefront of so many drugs uh, uh, coming to market. D d describe uh, to all of us, you know, how you operate and, you know, what, what your scope is. So, you know, it starts off with having a 30-hour day, right? That's what I always say. There's not enough hours in the day to do all that we need to do. But one of the things I really felt strongly from the beginning, so this is now 25 plus years ago, is that the team was stronger than the one. So even before I came out when managed care just hit the US market, that it was better to have a collaborative approach within the office, as well as extending to all of the, um, you know, all of the other specialists that we interface with. So I created, um, with, within my practice, the ability to have a cardiologist, a pulmonologist, infectious disease, GI, so that that patient was looked at from a very holistic perspective, so that I always talked about cardiovascular consequences of inflammation. It just didn't make sense that there wouldn't be. And so we've really sort of crafted that. So we uh, have patients coming in, we have nursing uh, uh, capacity, uh, imaging capacity, and all of the things. So it's a one-stop point of service and you walk out of there with this multidisciplinary approach to care, even though I'm in a solo private practice in Midtown Manhattan on the east side. Um, but you can simulate team care in different ways. It's just a matter of how one designs the team to, to get the outcome. So we manage um, you know, osteoporosis, osteoarthritis, inflammatory arthritis, uh, lupus and, and vasculitis. So the sort of more severe ones often when they're in the hospital, 
we have the hospitalists and the team there. But it's really been an interesting journey to sort of bring this from a, a baby all the way to, to full birth, right? So that we can see the differences in outcomes. So you still have a, a lot of active uh, collaborations at your old institution? Absolutely. Actually, they never changed. <laughs> yeah. Never changed. Well, uh, that's great. So um, you're, you're have an extraordinary presence in uh, uh, medical education and I, I'm not really even getting into AWARE now. Um, you know, how do you, how do you try to, how do you balance all that stuff? Uh, you seem to be everywhere. Well, that's because I think I am everywhere sometimes and it's a little scary, <laughs> but I, I think again, one of my passions is, is the narrative. So we talk about the patient narrative, the data that you get from narratives, but there's also the way that we learn and we we're storytellers and we're recipients of stories. So when I saw that, you know, education was sort of delivered in this very sort of segmented siloed fashion which was made even worse, I think, by the fact that now all of our data is structured fields, it really sort of pushed me even more to do my part to change education to a story. Because we remember the beginning, the middle and the end, and we sort of can pocket away these pieces of data when it's embedded in a story. I can tell you the story of um, the patient who was 25 years old dying of HIV who I coded as an intern because that was a story that sort of, you know, sort of was emblazoned on me. So I became really sort of involved in creating narratives and, and educating through stories. And then that just went across um, to looking at cultural differences in stories. If I'm creating a story in Brazil, is it the same story that I'm doing in Bangladesh? No, it's not because the metaphors are different. The reference points are different. It has nothing to do with educational um, levels. It has to do with the stories that we all live by. And so that became for me sort of this, this other passion that was akin to what we do with patients, but it's really how we insert data and information into ourselves. And, and then it just sort of goes from there. So I haven't answered how I manage it. I just tell you what I do. <laughs> you, you, you very carefully have not answered that. Um, so, you know, for all of you that are listening to this, I, I, I want to emphasize to you um, <laughs> how uh, amazing uh, uh, Grace uh, is as a, 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 an individual in all capacities, as a doctor, as an organizer, as a teacher, a researcher, et cetera. But the, the thing that has struck me more than anything uh, has been the organization that she has uh, founded, the Association of Women in Rheumatology. It's really been a sea change for our profession. You know, I'm an old guy. And when I started in rheumatology, it was by old guys. And, you know, as I look now, uh, the training demographics have changed dramatically. Um, we are now shifted to female predominance. And these women, uh, including people like my daughter, um, you know, are deserving of their own distinction um, based upon their own merit. Uh, they need a place to um, project their voice. Um, and uh, so tell us about the, the, the birth of AWARE. What were you thinking and what, how did this come about? Well, you know, Len, I think it started probably in a uh, second grade as, a, as the only sister with two brothers. 
um, and sort of always understanding that you had to have a voice. It wasn't okay to allow somebody else to be your voice. So fast forward that through to, um, you know, entering into a scientific community and realizing I was always the only one. I was the only woman of color in my medical school class. I was the only woman of color in the chemistry uh, division when I was in college. I was the only, the only, and I said, you know, there's got to be a way that we shift that. And part of it was sometimes when you're the only, it's really hard to continue. You fast forward now into sort of, you know, established professional uh, career in rheumatology. And I'm looking around the room, realizing that there weren't enough of us on the stage making the decisions for the us sitting in the chairs. And that matters not because I'm saying men are better than women or women are better than men. It's because the experience, the lived experience is different. And sometimes it matters, it incredibly matters that you understand my lived experience when policy is created. We see this, whether it's on a political stage, on a uh, educational stage, on a patient care stage, there are things that happen when there is a bit of concordance between those who create and those who receive. And I, I think honestly, there was a day that somebody just um, made me very upset about something. And I said, we either do something about it or we sit here and lose the right to complain. That's sort of my approach to life. And so I said, I'm making a date. Who's going to join me? We're going to create an organization that's going to have as its central tenet this idea that women can be nurtured in leadership and that we can grow up baby leaders and in so doing, grow up educators, grow up advocates, grow up scientists, and grow up a community that supports the young, the less young, and the, you know, the not so young anymore. Um, and that's how that was birthed in 2014. So uh, Cassie was one of my young babes coming in and I'm <laughs> pleased so, to have her. Yes. It's really not that long ago, considering it, it, your, the visibility and prominence of AWARE. So, uh, you know, how did that little group grow and, and give us a little idea about the trajectory yeah, so it was uh, initially four women, you know, then became 11. And, you know, we sat around saying, you know, um, what is it? What are the needs? You know, I always go back to that alpha model, right? Create it and then they will come. If you can foresee the need, don't look at what's happening now. Look at where you need to be in five years. What are the things that we need to change today to get there? Um, and we realized that we had to create a community. Um, and how do you create a community? Well, that's something women have been doing for eons, right? So we created community um, by creating conversations, by being inclusive, by, by not trying to say, you are so bad because you're a this, but by saying, join us as we have a conversation about something that we think can be changed. And it was a creating of conversations in multiple spaces. It wasn't easy. It wasn't that we were met with open arms all the time but it was a persistence in creating collaborative conversations that opened eyes to, I didn't realize that people were saying these things to you. I didn't realize that that door was closed. And I'm like, yeah, I just bang it down and walk in and take a seat. But not everybody does that, right? So we sort of then decided rather than being one national entity to go into communities and form local chapters um, and create conversations on a smaller basis where you were, had a safe space to say, I really felt like an imposter. I thought I was, you know, didn't deserve to be in that room. Or how do I get into that space? And then we also each made the commitment to pull somebody with you. 
So I'm asked to do many, many more things and I can, can I give that to somebody and pull them up and invite them to the table so that they now learn to take a seat and they can pull somebody else. And that was the process um, that really sort of helped to, us to go from 11 to 100 to 1300 to 32 chapters to nine global partnerships. So it really was that idea of this expanding conversation of seeing the need and creating the thing that met that need, whether it was advocacy, whether it was education, whether it was just being there to have somebody cry to say, you know what? Yeah, that was pretty lousy. Let's talk about a solution. Uh, well, the growth speaks for itself. Um, your, your actual formal mission, are you, is it primarily dedicated to education or advocacy or both or multiple? Well, so it's, it's promoting, um, you know, I should be able to sort of recite the mission, but for me, it's promoting excellence and it's excellence in education, excellence ultimately in the things that lead to good outcomes for our patients and for ourselves. Because as I always say, happy mom, happy child, happy doctor, happy patient, right? So if I can promote wellness in the physician, then that physician can promote wellness in their patients. So advocacy matters, scientific excellence matters, education matters, and having a collaborative community. All of those things then ultimately become the tenets, the support uh, pillars for that mission statement. You know, I, I have such um, abiding uh, respect for AWARE and uh, I have been um, generously asked to participate in some of your activities, which we'll get to in a minute. Um, but you know, there, there just uh, there, there's so many dimensions to this. I, I, I was on. Uh, uh, they have a great Twitter site, so you want to follow them uh, on Twitter for sure. Um, that uh, you know, when you look at these academic meetings, um, despite the demographics in rheumatology, uh, still often uh, grossly dominated by men. And uh, that, that has to change and it is changing. And I just actually tweeted yesterday that my ninth biologic summit is over 18 years. I said, we, we made a promise that we would have equal gender distribution in this meeting. And, and uh, my three uh, partners, uh, uh, which are uh, Elaine Husney, Carol Langford and Cassie, um, uh, uh, we're, 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 we're making that policy. So um, heavily influenced by examples such as AWARE. Tell, uh, tell the, everybody about your fabulous meeting. Um, and I mean, it's so diverse. It, I mean, it's diverse in every which way, but content and um, uh, uh, the social aspects and the, the educational initiatives, uh, t tell them. Yes. Yeah, the last thing I wanted to do was to recreate that which was already done. Where's a creative uh, genius in that, right? Um, so we said, what are the needs, right? So we need to, number one, remove barriers. I need to have the young person and the old person <clears throat> be able to get together. I need to have people coming from different segments within medicine, whether you're coming from um, research and development, medical education, medical affairs, clinical care, academia, to be in the same space and to feel that you had an equal right to be in that space. So the, the other part of this was 
we don't just live as you know people in our heads. We have to live within the limits of the law. We have to understand all the advocacy issues that impede our ability to deliver care. So we created a meeting that gave you morsels of all of these things. So yes, we start off with a fabulous um, immunology boot camp, and Len has been uh, my co-chair with this for some time, um, in which we dive deep. I mean, that's my science must, right? But it's clinically anchored so that we keep tethered science and clinical medicine. But then we have our what we call our aware law school. There's always something new from a legal perspective. We are not lawyers. There are a few of us who are, and a shout out to them. But many of us don't understand many of the legal ramifications behind that. So we do that, and that's part of our practice development. We also then go into uh, creative um, workshops where because we're sort of, you know, pulling out that creativity, you're able to take that and use that, whether it's in writing, whether it's in burnout, whether it's in stress management, um, whatever you need to do and apply that to your life as both a patient and a provider. And then we have all of the connectivities, whether it's a, a, a you know, a walk on the beach, uh, greeting the sunrise, which to me is just, it's medicine for the soul. Um, and it's that connectivity that is so great in which you can sort of run into anybody and really have that time. And we intentionally craft times where we're forced to connect and just be humans. And then we can go and talk about deep science. And then we can go and talk about the latest breakthrough. But it's this intertwining of all parts of me. I say, I have a brain. I love to cook. I love to walk. Um, I enjoy a, a, a nicely crafted beverage. Uh, I love to just sit and, and you know get into somebody's brain. I, there are all of these things that I love to do. So let's create a meeting that does all of that. And so we came up with this idea of not just sort of a three course meal, but a smorgasbord where everybody gets something that they can find for themselves, where they can listen to a therapist walk through mindfulness, uh, listen to a talk on empathy. Fellows can get together and say, what am I gonna do when I graduate? Uh, our NPs and PAs can come together and sort of formulate their own path and their own support system and understand that as a woman, and we have young men and we have older men present at the meetings, it's never all women, just a reminder, we're very welcome <laughs> to our guys, um, but everybody at the end of the day is a human being and we share the same concerns, we have the same struggles, and, and so we can craft solutions that can work for many of us, right? So, so that's what the meeting is. It starts on a Thursday morning, and we have to kick people out on a, a Sunday afternoon because we have had such a wonderful time, both for the, the brain, the heart, and the soul. When, when is it going to be this year? It's going to be August 12th through the 15th, August Thursday through Sunday. So the middle of August, we're trying to get people in and out before the schools start in one and, and maybe just after it started in the others. But it's always uh, in Hilton Head so far, Sinesta Hotel. Um, and it's a really sort of nice, small, intimate community um, so that we're able to sort of just take over the space. And we did it last year, socially distanced um, as a hybrid format um, with no negative consequences and really great reviews. So we're excited to, we're crafting the program this year to really, again, fill out all of those pieces that, that make, us, make us special, make us aware, make us the purple ladies and the purple guys. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, for all of you that just heard this and, and Grace is making this sound incredibly cool and uh, very inviting. 
And all I can tell you is that she hasn't even done it justice. So it, it, this is true. I have a mantra uh, that, you know, in my time, my extra time where I engage in travel or this, I w won't go anywhere or be around anybody that I don't really like. I've way past that stage. Um, I love um, the Aware as a group. I love the people, and this is one of the most fun meetings uh, that uh, that that uh, occurs anywhere. So, uh, I'm giving you a big shout out there. Uh, Thanks, Grace. Ben. We'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. And, because uh, learning can be fun. Absolutely. Yeah, where else can you go? You know, talk about interferon and meditation all at the same time. It's yeah. just uh, great. <laughs> Um, and meditate. <laughs> and meditate, right. Yeah. Well, it, this this has been fabulous. And uh, I, 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 I'm thrilled to be able to talk to you uh, in this forum to put it uh, on uh, this stage. And uh, uh, I want to, uh, again, congratulate you on everything about your career and AWARE. And I look forward to uh, seeing you in Hilton Head and... Uh, um, uh, want to thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Len. It was a real pleasure. So I want to uh, uh, welcome everyone back to CSF. Come to the website. We have an incredible number of programs. There are a number of other uh, uh, shows in this series uh, talking to world leaders in rheumatology. Um, and uh, we have a number of different webcasts coming up in the spring. They'll be focusing on COVID. Um, biology uh, and what this means to rheumatology and beyond. So thanks for joining us.